welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers. Hello, this is Brian Collins from Become a Writer Today and welcome to this podcast episode. As I record this episode, it's a hot, sunny Tuesday evening and I've spent the last week or so resizing one of my books for Amazon. The book in question is called The Power of Creativity. And after watching an excellent video by Joanna Penn, which I'll put a link to in the show notes, I worked with a book editor to redesign the book in different sizes for Amazon. Why did I do this? Well, resizing your book in different sizes is a great way of releasing different versions of your products into the world and increasing your book sales without having to write another book. It didn't take me that long to do. And all I had to do was get one of the covers resized and amended with the word large print. So I just paid a book cover designer a small amount to do that. If you have a book already and you're getting sales from print copies of your book, ask yourself, could you create it in a different format? For example, six by four or five by eight and so on. Because once you've created it in a different format, you can email Amazon and they'll put together all of the formats for your book on one sales page. And this will give you more options of selling your books to readers and should hopefully help you increase your income from selling books. Now, with that self-publishing tip out of the way, I want to tell you a little bit about Kurt Vonnegut's Rules for Writers. Kurt Vonnegut is one of my favorite writers of all time. He's the author of books like Slaughterhouse Five. And actually, Kurt Vonnegut spent a lot of time teaching other writers how to write. And he actually went as far as prescribing eight rules for writers. And what I've done is I've looked at these rules that Kurt Vonnegut prescribed and I've figured out how to use them for nonfiction writing. And that's what I'm going to get into in this short episode. So Kurt Vonnegut said, my reason for writing is unfortunately in line with Hitler's and Stalin's. I think writers should serve their society. And that's a great insight into the quirky mindset that Kurt had. When Kurt Vonnegut was 22, he'd no idea what he wanted to do with his life or even if he was a good writer. After surviving the firebombing of Dresden, he served for the US Army as a clerk in Fort Riley in Kansas in the United States. And like many aspiring writers, he mulled about his future, success and his craft. And he wrote to his wife about his career aspirations. He said to Jane, rich man, poor man, beggar man, thief, doctor, lawyer, merchant, chief. Jane, the supporting spouse, believed Kurt would become a successful author. And she encouraged him to study great books like War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy and the brothers Karmazov. She told him to write too. And her fate surprised Kurt because in 1945, He wrote to her, you scare me when you say that I'm going to write the literature of 1945 onwards and upwards. And yet this young writer from Indiana listened to his wife, to his first muse. He stuck with his craft, going on to publish 14 novels, five plays, three short story collections and five works of great nonfiction. And he even mined his experiences at Dresden to write the satirical best-selling novel Slaughterhouse-Five. In other words, Kurt got over his fears about becoming a successful author and he learned how to write great books and how to sell them. And he offered eight rules for struggling and fearful writers. But they apply for all types of writing, whether you're interested in fiction or nonfiction, or even if you're just crafting the copy on the back of a cereal box. So here's Kurt's eight rules for writers. 
Rule number one, use the time of a total stranger in such a way that he or she will not feel the time was wasted. The expectations of non-fiction book readers differ wildly from book to book. For example, if you're writing for a niche audience like long distance runners, these readers want you to be ultra specific. They expect detailed training plans and advice they can relate to. And I know that figuring out what total strangers want is tough. Because when you're writing a book for the first time, the muse can feel like a total stranger. You've got to invite her into your home, sit down, pour her a warm drink and find out what she has to say. And she hates time wasters. She's not interested in silly questions. You know the ones. What should I do with my life? The question Kurt asked his wife. Or do I have the right tools to write? Or what will my friends and family think about this? Or, am I good enough yet? Or, what about this idea? Or that one? Or, should I sharpen my pencils one more time? Please, if you ask these questions, the muse will grab her coat, throw her drink down the sink and walk out your front door. So rather than procrastinating about writing, because that's what you're doing, listen to the muse and then get started. Rule number two, give the reader at least one character he or she can root for. Successful fiction writers always give the reader a character we can root for. They give us a Billy Pilgrim in Slaughterhouse-Five. They give us a Harry Angstrom in the Rabbit series by John Updike. And they give us a Harry Potter. If you're writing non-fiction, these leading characters include your readers, your subject and you. Present your readers as the hero of the story by interviewing them or by telling them stories of their journeys throughout your book. You could use their real world experiences to back up points or to illustrate examples. This type of research will lend extra credibility to your book. Your subject could also be a historical or famous figure whose life or learnings you draw upon as part of your research. Rather than imparting information about a Thomas Jefferson or a Nelson Mandela type figure, distill their life lessons into relevant stories for your book. Or you can put yourself forward as the hero of the story or even as the villain by writing about your life and experiences. Rule number three. Every character should want something even if it's only a glass of water. 100,000 readers, flat screen televisions, inner peace, we all want things. Your readers want deep and honest personal stories, your best ideas, a stern talking to, their problems solved, or maybe they just want a good time, and it's your job to give it to them. In The 4-Hour Workweek, author Tim Ferriss explains how readers can achieve more by hacking and outsourcing their lives. He writes for readers who want to spend less time working and get more value from their free hours. At the start of the book, The Year of the Magical Thinking, author Joan Didion wants her recently deceased husband, John Gregory Dunn, to return. Later, she wants a way of making sense of her grief. In The Tipping Point, Malcolm Gladwell wants his ideal reader to understand how little things like the Pareto Principle make a big difference to the way that you work. So if your book is going to help readers, write about how they can run 26.2 miles, travel around the world on $10 a day, quit smoking, and so on. Find out what their pain point is and write about it. Rule number four. Every sentence must do one of two things. Reveal character or advance the action. I hate it when writers push towards their big idea with the speed of a tortoise on volume. They ask the reader to wade through pages after pages of obscure bland writing that says things like, In this chapter I will show you. Or, There are serious issues that you'll need to carefully consider. Or, After an examination of the facts, or it's become painfully apparent to me. Kirk would tell you don't be a barbarian about it. By all means, lay out your pitch in your book's introduction, but then get to it. 
We don't want an instruction manual or a legalese document that takes a PhD to decipher. Please be insanely practical or alarmingly entertaining. And while editing your book, ask what can you cut? What should you take out? I ask because your muse is putting her coat on. Now don't worry, I'll cover self-editing in another episode. But for now, know that every word, sentence, paragraph and chapter should advance your book story or controlling idea. With clarity, with precision and with speed. Anything else belongs in the trash can. Rule number five. Start as close to the end as possible. Perhaps I should have started here. Look, Spotify, Netflix, YouTube, Facebook, Amazon, Google. If you want to capture and keep your reader's attention and sell copies of your book, and you do want to sell copies of your book, you've got competition. So in the first few pages of your book, put your reader through hell and then take them to heaven. Are they trying to stub out cigarettes once and for all? Do they want to create an exercise routine that gives them washboard abs? Or are they just lacking motivation and procrastinating? Well, consider what their life looks like now and how far they must travel. Then, tease out a picture of your reader's ideal world of healthy lungs that can power a four-minute mile or those abs you could chop carrots on. Do it all before page 50 and spend the rest of your book showing your reader how to get there. If your book isn't going to reveal the how, then entertain the hell out of your readers through storytelling. For example, Neil Strauss, a New York Times best-selling author, writes in painful detail about his entertaining and prolific sex life alongside his theories about romantic relationships. It's not a how-to manual for the brokenhearted, but it is a good read. Rule number six, be a sadist. No matter how sweet and innocent your leading characters make awful things happen to them in order that the reader might see what they're made of. Okay, so let's say you're writing a self-help or a business non-fiction book. Your ideal reader possesses a specific problem they need help solving. They want to quit smoking, lose weight, or finally master the cash flow of their business. But they don't understand their problem entirely. Well, you should, because you've spent hours studying their problems from every angle, and you're about to report back on what you discovered, right? So start by writing about your ideal reader's pain points, what keeps them up at night, by drawing on his or her experiences through your research. Be intensely curious. What will happen if they don't lose weight? What will happen if they don't quit smoking or take charge of their cash flow? Throughout your book, point to case studies and stories, provide practical exercises or takeaways so your readers can put your ideas into practice and see what they're made of. Share messy and uncomfortable stories from your personal or professional life if it adds to the book. You know the ones where you don't come out on top. Sure, success is sweet, but it's boring. We want to hear about plans gone awry and what you did next. Rule number seven, write to please just one person. If you open a window and make love to the world, so to speak, your story will get pneumonia. Do you know who your ideal reader is, what they read or even dream of? If you don't, find an ideal reader and talk to him or her. They could be in your creative writing group, a reader of your blog, a colleague or even a close friend. Interview them, show them early drafts of your chapters. Crawl inside their head and take notes until you understand what they expect from books like yours. This episode is for aspiring non-fiction authors who want to learn how to write a non-fiction book. And the advice and stories I'm sharing here might not please advanced non-fiction authors because they understand how to write a book. And similarly, fiction authors may wonder, why am I talking about non-fiction so much? But here's the thing, if I tried to write or create an episode for lots of different audiences, I'd have to open the window and let in more ideas, angles, stories, and writing advice for all types of people. And my article or my episode would get pneumonia. 
So don't let your book catch a chill. Rule number eight, the final rule. Give your readers as much information as possible as soon as possible. To hell with suspense. Readers should have a clear understanding of what's going on, where and why. They should be able to finish the story themselves should cockroaches eat the last few pages. Well, that's great advice from Kurt. You see, unless your name is James Joyce and Ulysses is your game, your readers should understand what you're writing about. Break down the complicated topics underpinning your book using everyday language. And while the information is nice, eliminate jargon, qualifiers and unnecessary disclaimers. Use words your readers know and use. Speak as if this book is for a friend. When your readers reach the end, they will either have all they need to solve their problems or they'll have enjoyed themselves. Now, I write practical and conversational nonfiction wherein I explain everything the reader needs to know about a particular topic. If the reader gets confused by something I've said, well, then I'm not doing my job. You too must read up on your topic. Look for ideas in the books you read, in the people you meet and in the backstory of your life. Combine your research in interesting and exciting ways. And when you sit down to write, remember to serve your readers. Don't hold anything back or look away. By the time you're through, your readers should know what they need to do next and feel excited about it. Or they should have had a good time. Understanding great writing, just like Kurt Vonnegut. During the mid-1960s, after Vonnegut became a successful novelist, he taught his craft at Iowa's Writers' Workshop. His writing advice, much like his books, possessed unusual quirks. He told aspiring authors to consider six stories they liked and disliked as if they'd consumed two ounces of very good booze. Then he asked them to rewrite the table of contents of these stories on a blank page and grade each chapter from A to F. Finally, he said, write a report on each to be submitted to a wise and respected and witty world-weary superior. Do not do so as an academic, critic or a person drunk on art, nor as a barbarian in a literary marketplace. Do so as a sensitive person who has a few practical hunches about how stories can succeed or fail. Praise or damn as you please, but do so rather flatly, pragmatically, with cunning attention to annoying or gratifying details. Be yourself, be unique, be a good editor. The universe needs more good editors, God knows. Do not bubble, do not spin your wheels, use words I know. Non-fiction writers too should evaluate stories they like and dislike. Like the mechanic who takes apart an engine of a car to understand how it works, this practice will help you understand how great writing non-fiction or otherwise succeeds and what the rules are and how you can apply them like I've done in this episode or break them if you completely disagree with everything I've just said. It'll help you write something that your readers can't put down. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you did, please leave a rating on the iTunes store. And if you want to accomplish more with your writing, please visit becomearitertoday.com forward slash join and I'll send you a free email course. Thanks for listening.